Welcome back to another episode of the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. I'm Mona, and I was in a 30-year marriage with my ex, and we didn't find out that we were neurodiverse until our 29th year of marriage. And I am here with my co-host. And I'm Olga, and I was in a relationship uh, with a person that's um, on the spectrum for almost a year. And that definitely changed my way to see the world. And and the other men I have dated that also were on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, me too. We've said in many episodes that we think we have a type and that's men on the spectrum. So we are so excited today to share with you uh, what will be, I think, a fantastic conversation with a neurodiverse couple who are married and they have two kids. And I'd like to introduce you to Kate and Clark. Welcome, Kate and Clark. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to take a, a few minutes and introduce yourselves? Sure. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having us on this podcast. I've been a listener for a little while now. Um, my name is Kate. I am 37 years old. I'm married to Clark who is a very handsome redhead. Uh, <laughs> he is. I saw him. Yeah, he, is. He, is. he is. I'll keep him. Uh, <laughs> and we have been married for nine years together for 11. Uh, I am a theater artist by trade, currently working in higher education. We have a five-year-old daughter and a 22-month-old daughter. So we are a very dramatic family, and <laughs> we are keeping Clark on his toes, who is not very dramatic at all. So it is a constant learning environment for us. And I'll let Clark say some things now, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the neurotypical, Yes, correct? I am the neurotypical. Okay. okay. And Clark, welcome. Hi, Hi uh, I'm Clark. I'm the neurodiverse partner. Um, I'm 37 also, or actually I'm not 37 yet, I'll be 37 soon. Um, I do real estate management for a nonprofit, um, and I am not dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> well, opposites attract, right? Yes, very but, straightforward. Exactly. My ex and I were definitely opposites. So I, first of all, I'm just so thrilled that you're here, and thank you so much for doing the short intro. I really am interested in knowing kind of how you both met each other and what kind of attracted you to each other and yes. either either one of you can start okay i'll start um so uh we we met each other on a blind hangout actually it wasn't really a blind date um <laughs> we were we were 25 at the time and we technically had first met five months prior i was working a race for the cure event and I was working at a booth with an acquaintance of mine. Her name was Shannon. Clark was a good friend of Shannon, and he had been a race participant and had stopped by the booth. I didn't know it at the mm -hmm. time, but he was uh, recovering from swine flu. And oh I, still, my God. I remember saying hello to him, but, but that was it. Um, I mentioned to Shannon when, when Clark left that I thought he was cute. Um, unbeknownst mm -hmm. to me, Shannon decided to be a matchmaker and set us up. <laughs> I, of course, blew her off for five months. I, And then I finally decided I, I just couldn't ignore her any longer. And I went to hang out with her and her fiancé one very cold February night. 
And I had no idea Clark was going to be there. Mm. Um, so that's my part. But Clark has a different interpretation. Okay, awesome. <laughs> and Clark, what what's your interpretation? Um, no, yeah, all of, I mean, all of that was uh, all of that was true. Um, you, you know, we met, uh, you know, just in passing uh, a few months prior. And then I, you know, on my end, my, you know, my friend uh, called me up like, hey, you want to hang out tonight? Like, sure. He's like, oh, that, you know, that girl you met a few months ago is going to be there. And I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, like, good, excited, <laughs> but like, okay, this is different hangout then. Maybe I should look nice, you know, look nicer, um, you know, change my clothes, you know, <laughs> make sure I brush my teeth, all that. Um, <laughs> Versus just hanging out with, you know, my friend and his, uh, you know, at the time, girlfriend. Um, so, you know, but, uh, you know, same things, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we went, we hung out, we went to dinner, uh, you know, went a, um, to a couple of bars. Um, I wasn't a heavy smoker at the time, but I was like chain smoking the, the whole time just because I was so nervous. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, like needed something to do with my hands, like all that, you know, just, uh, and, um, you know, I was worried. I was like, you know, you know, you know, once I met Kate, I was like, I was like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, she's nice. I kind of like her. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to mess this up. So that, you know, made it worse. And I just, you know, smoked more and <laughs> luckily I wasn't <laughs> drinking more. So I was, you know, I was still uh, functional. Um, but, you know, it, it took me so long, you know, throughout this, you know, hangout um, to like work up the courage to um, ask Kate out that uh, we went back to my friend and his girlfriend's uh, apartment and we're playing video games and hanging out. And, uh, you know, by the time I went out for like my last uh, nervous cigarette, I came back in and Kate was on the couch pretending like she was asleep. So I was like, well, <laughs> I messed her out tonight. Oh. <laughs> so I thought you... she was asleep. I think later on she was like, I was just too tired. I was falling asleep, but I was just, you know, <laughs> just laying there. So did so... you finally ask her out, Clark? I, I did so but uh so it was like the next day um and I was like I don't have her number I don't know how you know to contact her so it this was um this is back when I had Facebook I went on Facebook um uh, you know found uh found her you know friend requested her um and then she you know I, you know added me as a friend I was like oh great and it, I'm sort of a it takes me longer to express myself and in any way so I was like typing you know trying to figure out how do I type a message to her and by the time I was like in the middle of drafting something you know she wrote me something like hey how's it going I had fun last night I'm like okay so that was neurotypicals go yeah. ahead I was impatient yeah it was taking too long right <laughs> so we talked back and forth and then I you know it was just like okay you know so it's still through the messaging I was like hey you like to go out sometime so you know I did and now here Probably we are a chance to ask her. <laughs> wow that's awesome so um, it's so funny to hear the two sides. That's really great. So what, what attracted you, Clark, to Kate? And Kate, what attracted you to Clark? And, you know, you can just mention a few things. You don't have to mention everything, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can go first. Um, yeah. I think what the first thing that attracted me to Clark was that when he and I were together, I felt like I was the only person in the room at all times. Mm. He was so focused on me and he listened to everything I said. He remembered everything I said. Uh -huh. um, and that was so different from anything I'd ever experienced before. Um, he was not my normal type. He was so quiet and so shy. Um, mm -hmm. Now he'll talk 
about <laughs> anything that's of interest to him. He'll talk your ear off. But um, at the time, that was so that made me feel so special. So I think that's the first thing I that's really awesome. attracted. Yeah, to him. That's awesome. And he was a cute redhead. Yes, I mean. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Clark, what attracted you to Kate? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think like I when we, you know, we're first hanging out, she's, you know, was, or she still is, but, you know, so outgoing, you know, seemed so excited about life. Uh, like at dinner the, that night, she was um, telling me and, you know, my friends about uh, after college backpacking through Europe and like, you know, not getting in trouble, but like getting stuck somewhere or having, you know, weird encounters. I'm like, wow, she's fun. You know, she's telling me all, you know, telling me all these stories. She's so excited about everything. Um, you know, obviously her good looks too, <laughs> but no redhead. No, she's not a redhead. No, right? I'm not. No. Okay. That's awesome. So it, it kind of sounds like, um, definitely you were, you had some, uh, similarities or, or kind of, um, things that you wanted to do together, but in a lot of ways you were opposites. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah. So Clark has a, he was a, a Marine, uh, had a very, he came, had just been out for how long when we first met? You were a still year, in the reserves. Yeah. So Clark had had a very different, I went to college right out, uh, right out of high school. Clark went into the Marine Corps, you know, we life experiences. But that, that also attracted you to each other. You saw something in the other person that maybe you didn't have in yourself or that you wanted to explore, it sounds like. Definitely, I agree that we were, we're still very opposite on a lot of things, but now I think we come to the same conclusion and the same beliefs. We just come at it very differently. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that, and that kind of brings me to the next topic, because I know a lot of couples who are neurodiverse, um, the couple who's neurodivergent has self-diagnosed and they've realized that they're on the spectrum. But um, Clark, you actually had a formal diagnosis. And I'm really wondering um, if you could share a little bit about what kind of made you the formal diagnosis when you go down if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about that process yeah sure um so it, uh i got diagnosed uh last year um october 2020 um and i think i think it was probably the pandemic and you know all the stress and everything that went along with that um and also being you know together uh 24 seven, um, sort of, it's sort of made, uh, Kate realize like, you know, Hey, maybe there's something, you know, maybe there's something going on with Clark besides, you know, just, you know, uh, normal, you know, normal everyday uh, things, or, you know, I've, I've also, uh, been diagnosed with PTSD from my military service. Um, so she just started noticing, you know, things and trends in me. Um, and we talked about it. And we thought maybe, um, and also I think because we, we would keep having the same uh, like issues come up and the same arguments, uh, mm -hmm. things like that. And so we actually were initially thinking like, well, maybe I have like a learning, you know, some type of learning disability. Like, you know, we're, we're 
you know, talking about something and, you know, it comes to an argument, even though we're, you know, I'm saying something one way, she's saying it another, we're probably sure. agreeing, but we're, you know, we're still like, you know, for some reason we just, you know, can't make, uh, you know, can't make the meeting of the minds. Sure. And so, so that's what I went uh, in thinking um, and, you know, went to, um, went to see uh, a specialist about it, um, you know, through him, you know, interviewing me and talking to me and asking me about, you know, growing up, um, you know, the issues I have now, but like issues growing up, things like that. And then family history, you know, he was like, he's like, you're, you know, you, you don't have a learning disability. You're on the spectrum. I was mm. like, oh. Okay. <laughs> so. okay. And so thank you so much for sharing that. And I know that it's tough sometimes for adults who get diagnosed, you know, kind of looking back at your life and what things you now understand and you see differently. But because you're married now, um, how has having the diagnosis impacted your relationship? I can go first mm -hmm. if you want. Sure. He's thinking. Okay. Uh, well, I think it's been good and bad. Um, the good is that we know, right. It's for what beforehand I was like, what is wrong with him? Why is he not registering that this is how I'm feeling? This is what I need. Why do we keep having the same argument? So that part was, was great. Cause then I know, okay, you know, it's not just, he's some silly man. I mean, sure. there is, there is something there that there is that disconnect between us. And um, but, but the frustrating part too, is that I have to mourn what I once thought, like, he's not gonna be able to process my emotions in the way I need him to in the moment. Sure. Um, so that has been hard. I think I'm in this mourning phase of that part of mourning. Um, and I know there'd been already a podcast subject about this, which really resonated with me. Like I'm mourning, you know, what I w once thought, you know, this marriage could be, but you know, I'm still hopeful that, you know, we're going to find our way and that we're going to, you know, be stronger because of it. We're just kind of in the thick of it right now. Sure. That totally makes sense, Kate. And thank you so much for sharing that. Clark, what about your thoughts on that? How it's affected your relationship? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I agree with um, Kate. Like there's, there's been good and I don't say bad, but like, you know, good and like, maybe, you know, I wouldn't, something I wouldn't call good, um, not quite good, uh, but the good would be, you know, it, it, it helps me understand more about myself um, and like what I need to do, you know, to help myself as far as to regulate myself and take care of myself. Um, I think it's, it helps Kate to understand, you know, like this is not something about her, you know, it's like, right. you know, I think she was feeling in the past, I, you know, I think like, you know, why isn't he understanding me? It must be, you know, something about her or, you know, that I, you know, uh, something like that. And like, no, it's, it's really about me. Um, and maybe now she, maybe now she'll realize like most of the time I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to be, you know, mean or whatever. Like, it's just sort of who I am. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, and then I think the bad, you know, the bad or the not so great part is, you know, that it's, it, you know, it's not like, oh, well, you know, maybe going to, you know, maybe going to counseling will, you know, fix this issue. Like, 
well, no, going to counseling now will just teach us how to work around the issue, you know, like, sure. The, you know, there's some things that are just sort of, you know, biologically wired that are never going to go away, but, you know, now we have to find a workaround. So that's great. I, I mean, and I think this is the issue that, that so many neurodiverse couples are working through and dealing with. And I think, because you've had the diagnosis, it would be interesting to know how maybe both of your expectations have changed in the relationship. And I know you're new to the diagnosis, but if you want to maybe give one or two expectations that you had before the diagnosis that have changed now that you have the diagnosis and you know, as Clark said, that, you know, your brain is wired differently. Can either of you share maybe how your expectations have changed? If they have, uh, <laughs> Clark would like to think I still have the same high expectations. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, that's a good point, Kate. Um, I mean, I think that that can happen. Sure. I think, but something I noticed recently that I was really proud of myself for is the it was bath time the other night, and the girls were just they like to tag team, um, and then they like to be you know fussy at the exact same time, and <laughs> okay. I could tell. Clark was getting overwhelmed and he was having a meltdown. And I just said, go, do you need some time alone? Hmm. And he said, yes. And he, I said, okay, go downstairs. And I finished bath and got them ready. And then Clark calmed down and came back up. And that was something I thought big for me. That was an expectation change prior to, I would have been like, you need to rally. We are in the thick of it right now. And you need to help me get through it. But but now I was like, you know, I, it's just better that I do this myself. It's just going to be worse if he goes into complete shutdown mode and I let him go away. Um, and he came back and he, he could be present. So I think that's wonderful. Really what a wonderful shift. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that is, and we'll talk about this um, in a few minutes. I think that's one of the biggest challenges when you don't know you're neurodiverse and, you know, if I were in that situation that you were in, I would be thinking, why can't you just put your hands down here in the bath and help me out? Right. You know, right. Probably start screaming. And <laughs> you know? it doesn't mean I, I'm also still not in those in those moments, still not a little bitter still that ugh, I'm doing this on my own right now. I'm the one getting covered in water and splashed and yelled at. Um, right. But but once that moment is over and I've calmed down, I was like, this was the best for everyone. I hear you. Involved. I hear you. I hear you. Thank you so much for sharing. And Clark, what about you? If there's an example where your expectations have changed since you've gotten the diagnosis. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think probably my expectation change was probably like, I, you know, I went into our relationship just, you know, not knowing, you know, this about myself and just thinking like, Oh, I just need to, work harder, try harder, you know, for things like to give, you know, Kate, the things she needs, like, um, you know, words of affirmation, you know, all the, you know, the things, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll just work harder. I'll take, you know, I'll write down notes. I'll remember, you know, I'll try to remember all these things. Um, but it, I'm still, you know, I'm still working on our relationship, but then I, I now been able to realize like, it's just not gonna like click and like, I'm not gonna, you know, snap my fingers and, now I'm, you know, neurotypical and it just comes naturally. Like I'm always going to have to, 
um, I'm always going to have to work at, I'm always going to have to, um, you know, like put a lot more energy into it than what it would take if I was neurotypical. Yeah. Um, and the, I think the analogy that I, I think about, it's like, um, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, uh, had a friend who, you know, uh, you know, native English speaker, but spoke Spanish. Um, and, you know, he would help translate for us sometimes. And I, I remember like going, you know, uh, going out on training with him and, uh, you know, he would, he would be doing that. And then at the end of the day, he'd be like, you know, I, I just can't do it anymore. I'm exhausted. And we're like, why? He's like, cause I'm having to take, you know, what you're saying in English, turn it into Spanish, you know, tell them in Spanish, take what they're saying in Spanish, you know, put it back in my brain, turn it back into English and tell you, he's like, it's just exhausting. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, that's sort of like our, that's sort of like our relationship, like, because we're, you know, we could, we could be saying, you know, the base, you know, facts about things um, at the same time, but, you know, the message is coming across differently. Or I just say something that I think is, you know, sincere and straightforward, but is actually like, you know, uh, hurtful or, you know, could be taken, you know, a different way than I'm intending. Right. So I feel like I'm constantly like cycling through my brain, like now, you know, and before probably too, but even especially now, like, how do I say this? Here's my thought. How do I say this in a way that does not offend, you know, Kate hurt her feelings. Um, and so, yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> that, that is such an amazing way to compare it. Cause I, I mean, I can relate Spanish and English, like, English is my second language. So it's like, oh my God, that is true. That is like, for me, I'm the neurotypical. I was in the relationship and this is a way to kind of understand it better mm-hmm. and and know that maybe at some point it'll get easier, like the language, yeah. <laughs> it gets easier, but it's still always going to be the second language mm-hmm. and it's not less important, but there's always going to be some challenges in that um, process of translation. Yeah. That That's an, uh, it's excellent. Sweet. It's such a good analogy, Clark. And um, I, I think I shared this with you when we were prepping for this uh, episode, when my ex and I were separated, I remember him sending me a text that he said, all our marriage he had had the emotional energy to deal with my emotions and my way of communicating. But when we were separated, he told me he only had a thimble full of like energy left to deal with me. And when you said that, Clark, it just, it totally rang true with me because he had to put in the extra effort, the extra time, the extra energy to translate everything and we didn't know we were neurodiverse. So I think that's a great analogy. And I, I give you kudos for recognizing that, that it's going to take extra time and energy for you to be able to translate. But I'm wondering, Kate, do you feel like you're able to translate what Clark is saying so that you don't take it personal and you know this is just his way of communicating? <laughs> shaking his head um no I think I'm still struggling with that I think he is you know it's I I love it and hate it about him that he's so honest Mm -hmm. um 
that he's just telling the truth, um, which is nice actually, but in the moment it, it can hurt my feelings. A whole sure. Lot. And so in the moment, I'm still really upset. Like, I can't believe he just said that to me. Like, you know, um, but then when I, you know, when I've removed myself from the situation and I can actually process it, I'm like, okay, you know, he didn't mean anything by it. He's just very blunt. He's very stoic in the face. He's got actually a very dry sense of humor. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't always know if he's kidding or not. Um, we've been working <laughs> on him trying to smile, which that's also creepy when he like, smiles, you know, but, but that's the pro, you know, we're, I think we're working on it, but we are definitely struggling with that from my end. Sure. And, and, and Clark, it sounds like, um, do you have any thoughts on that? It sounds like you were shaking your head that, that <laughs> it's not going maybe as well as you would like it to go. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's really it. It's, I'm not saying Kate's not trying. She definitely is. Uh, it's just, you know, it's sort of the same thing, what she said, like, I'm not, you know, like if, if, if it would be like, you know, the, the language conversion thing, like you know, for whatever it is, like my, you know, my speaking neurotypical is rusty and, you know, her, you know, her receiving <laughs> neurodiverse is, is, you know, like is a little, uh, is a little she needs, not quite there yet too. Yeah. She okay. needs, she needs, you both need the Rosetta stone version of yes. neurotypical and neurodivergent. <laughs> oh my yeah. Gosh, I, is, love I love it. I love it. I love it. I can give you two examples of, of where like, and these were early on in our relationship and he'll be so, he's gonna be mad that I'm bringing it up. But one time someone asked him if, if I was a good cook and he said, well, she can follow a recipe. Oh my God. <laughs> and the neurotypical me, I took that to mean, no, I, I'm not creative. I can't cook unless I follow a recipe, you know, and, then, and he still defends himself. And, and I now understand a little bit more. Um, and then the other one too is, you know, as most women say, you know, gosh, I just feel really fat today. And his response was, but I like thick women. Yeah. And, uh, he thought he was complimenting me and, and it's it. true. He does. And I mean, he's still with me, you know, but at right. the time I was like, how dare you? Right, 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 right. Yeah. I that knew, have... I knew I was fat, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. And that could have been a five hour fight and, right. you know, not talking to each other. I totally can relate. I totally can relate. Um, and, and I think it's, it's a plus that people on the spectrum are so comfortable being honest. I love that about my ex. Um, but the blunt way in which sometimes, you know, they communicate with you, it does sometimes feel it, it's hard to take. And so, um, Clark, that's just an opportunity for you to grow and Kate, it's an opportunity for you to grow, right? Not take right. it personal. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And you guys are really in the beginning of understanding each other now that you have the diagnosis, Clark. So let's talk a little bit about um, emotional reciprocity, because I know as a neurotypical, it's really important when, you know, you're having a bad day, you had a bad day at work, you know, the kids weren't doing what they needed to do, something happened with a family member, you need a hug, you need to just process. What does that look like for you, Kate and Clark, um, both what you're able to do and what maybe some of the challenges are that you have? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to? 
You can go first. Um, you know, Clark is actually really good at just physical touch. He loves hugs. He loves snuggling. Um, sometimes I have to tell him to sit farther down the couch. I just need a moment <laughs> to not be touched. Um, okay. <laughs> he's nodding his head. Um, so that part has never been an issue. If I'm having a bad day and I say I'm having a bad day, I just need a hug. Um, he's definitely willing to do that. Um, that that's never been a question. I think um, where, and it, I think this could just be male versus female too. He wants to fix things. If I'm mm -hmm. venting, he wants to give me a solution mm -hmm. or he, he will downplay what I'm, I'm, I'm talking emotions and he wants to downplay it because he wants to be very logical about it. And that's where it gets tricky, where I, I get a little hurt. Like you're not listening. You're not understanding me. Um, so I have had to try, and I'm still failing at this a little bit or working through it, where I need to, before I start talking, I'm like, this is what I need. I need you just to listen. Mm -hmm. um, but in the moment, I don't always do that. And then right. I, get a little, I get hurt that he's like, why are you not you giving me what I need? But it's, when I, again, when I step back from it, I'm like, well, I didn't really communicate So what I need. So I think that's where I'm at. Awesome. And, and well, let me ask you before we go to Clark, um, how do you feel when like you have some facial expressions, you know, those social cues where if you were in a relationship with a neurotypical, they might see that, you know, you've been crying all day because your eyes are puffy or, you know, you just, your whole persona changes. No, you know, those, those things that maybe your friends or your mother would pick up on. How does that work in your relationship? You may disagree with me, but I don't think you pick up on those. I think I have to be dry heaving, sobbing for you to be like, oh, something is is up. Okay. Um, okay. I, I Go think ahead. definitely cry. Like if you were if you were just upset or like had had a bad day, then it would be hard for me to pick that up mm -hmm. um or also i confuse it too i'm like she's mad at me um, mm. but i think crying like for sure like i got that one yeah right because yeah. <laughs> that's like, visual i mean you can yeah, you can see the tears coming out of her eye. i mean literally you can see it right, right? yeah well and he brings yeah. up a good point too like uh like if i'm having a bad day and and he then picks up that i'm mad at him um, he then, you know, gets in a bad mood, which puts me further in a, a bad mood. So it's like this nasty, vicious cycle of, I was just having a bad day. Now I'm having a terrible, horrible day. <laughs> and he's, you know, at the end of it, and he's, he's causing it when I need him to be supportive. Right. But he thinks it's his fault. So let me ask you, I know one of the things that we talked about when we were preparing for this is Clark, you shared that sometimes you'll ask Kate what she needs. Mm -hmm. um, how, what would be a situation where you would ask that and maybe where, you know, share with us where it's worked and maybe where it hasn't worked so well, if you can. Um, blocked all them out. No, I was, I was trying to think of like, the only thing I'm thinking is like, I mean, I feel like it's the same thing and it's both worked and not worked. So that's the hard part, but I'll try to, I'll okay. try to explain like, um, 
I would say when it's when it's not worked, it's been sort of what we just talked about, like Kate's had a bad day and maybe all she said, and I say all, but you know, like what she said to me was, you know, I, you know, I had a rough day at work, you know, so-and-so didn't want to do this thing and pushed it off on me. So now I have a bunch to do and I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. But then if I, maybe if I could have read her better, I would know like she had a bad day. This is what happened. It's still affecting her. So then Mm -hmm. like when we're going through interactions, if she's like, then maybe a little bit more short or, you know, wants to, you know, be on her by herself, then, you know, I'm picking up, I'm like, oh, she had a bad day, but I'm not even thinking about that anymore. I'm like, oh, you know, she's mad at me now. And that's probably Mm -hmm. where it doesn't work where, uh, you know, I'm not really putting, you know, two and two together, that it's all still affecting her. Um, And I I don't know if I put that together with myself either. I think that's sort of a problem that I struggle with. If I'm having, uh, if I've had a bad day, a lot of times I don't notice when that, you know, carries on throughout the day or, you know, even after work, that type of thing. Um, And then probably where it has worked is like, and I'm trying to do this more and more is like, if she tells me, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm having a bad day or, you know, something happened, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, like if, if I say, you know, can I do anything? I I think that's probably the only way I could say that I've found that it works better Mm -hmm. is is just if I ask, um, you know, ask the question or ask, you know, ask what, you know, ask more, you know, probing questions or just, you know, ask, what can I do? Well, that's great. I'm sorry. Go ahead, No, and I, I think that's tiring for him, too. So. It's exhausting. <laughs> okay. To but, ask, to ask what you can do and to be there for her when she's having a bad day, that's exhausting? Um, not to be there for her, but, yeah, to ask, like, probing questions. Okay. Um, okay. It is. I mean, it's exhausting for me. Like, if she asks me probing questions, mm. and then when I have to go into it, and, like, that, that's also, like, emotionally, mentally, emotionally draining for me. And that's, I mean, that's a really important point, I I think, especially in a a love relationship, because I think if you don't know you're neurodiverse, then the neurotypical wants to talk about emotion. They want to talk about their day. They want that emotional reciprocity. So what does it look like when when Kate is sharing her emotions with you and um, you're on emotional overload, what do you need in those situations, Clark? And how can Kate, you know, understand this isn't a good time to talk about this because you're in emotional overload. How does that work for you and your brain? Um, I mean, it's just sort of like, I don't know how to, I, you know, I end up describing everything in like an analogy, but you know, that's it's, great. It's, that's sort, great. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, if, if you're, you know, some piece of equipment's running and it's like running at a hundred percent capacity, like anything more and it just, you know, like shuts down or, you know, overheats, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I'm kind mm-hmm. of at that, like that point. And so that, I think, oh, okay. go ahead. no, go ahead. I was going to say, and I think the only thing, and I didn't know, I really didn't know why. I really probably didn't know what was going on before. Didn't really know why. And so the only thing I can, you know, now I can do is to like communicate, like, I, you know, I just, I really can't talk about this right now. Like, can we talk about it later? 
And I'm sure I, I still only have enough, you know, mental capacity to say that in a way that's probably offensive and short, you know, like, I can't sure. talk about this right now, but, right. you know, it, see, it sounds right in my head, but when it comes out, that's probably what comes out. So that's really all I can, I can do or, you know, face the like, you know, getting aggravated or shutting down. And I think, thank you so much, Clark, because I think um, that is so important because as the neurotypical, how do you know when, and, and this is maybe a question for you, Kate, how do you know when your partner is at that point of emotional overload or sensory overload? Like you gave the example of the bathtub, you knew, Kate, but you know now because Clark has the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So um, you were able to say, okay, go away. I got this. Even though you were angry or resentful or, you know, wished he would chip, chip in and help out with the the bathing of the kids but you know I guess you guys are working on this but what is it that the neurotypical needs to understand how can the neurotypical pick up when their partner's in sensory and emotional overload and what are the next steps that are going to help both of you not react but respond in a respectful way does that make sense yeah no that makes sense and that's exactly where we're at right now i okay i don't always know until it's too late he's he's already m melting down gotcha um, and that's that's hard because he's so internal and he's so stoic um the only way like with the bath time i knew is that he was getting short with the girls gotcha and i could i could tell like you know he was like about ready to tell them no more questions um, as he tells me, I've, I've reached my question quota by like 8.30 in the morning. Um, <laughs> I love so that. <laughs> I, I think that's something we struggle with because he's got to be able to communicate. I am not okay right now. But I know that that's also hard for him um, mm -hmm. in the moment because he, he is melting down. So he's very inside himself. So it's this struggle we have. And if I can, if I know then I can be like, yes, go away. I know he needs to do some mindfulness. I know he needs to just have some quiet time in a dark room for a few mm -hmm. minutes or something mm -hmm. like that. Sure. Um, but, but I don't know. What else would you say to that? No, I mean, I think that's, it's, I know it's hard for me to recognize in myself and, you know, I'm barely probably now just able to say like, you know, I can't talk about anything else or I'm getting overwhelmed. Um, and so I imagine it's really hard for you to recognize if like, if it's hard for me to recognize in myself, it's probably really hard for you. Probably the only way would be, you know, getting short, uh, you know, not responding as quickly. I don't know. Yeah. Cause when yeah. I say I'm overwhelmed, what does that trigger in you? Anything? No. Yeah. So when yeah. I say I'm, I'm overwhelmed, <laughs> he's like, sorry about your luck. Let's go. <laughs> right. No, I hear you. And, and that's, you know, a challenge, I think, for the neurotypical because you want a different response, Kate. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And the more you probe, the more Clark probably goes into emotional overload. And, you know, you, you take a, a molehill and you make it a mountain. I mean, I know that's something that happened repeatedly in my 30 year marriage. Uh -huh. um, 
let me ask you about balancing because when you guys were dating, you were a couple, then you got married and you were, you know, a couple that had, you know, shared finances, shared responsibilities, shared in-laws, all those things. Now you have two young kids mm-hmm. and you are working and, you know, dealing with all that stuff as each new piece comes into your life, how do you balance both of you as the neurotypical and the neurodivergent? How do you balance the work family life? And what are the differences? Mm. That's a really good question. Do you want to go first? Um, I'd say for me, it's, for me, it's been really hard. Um, And I've, I've told Kate this before, like, you know, when we got together, it was like just me and her. And so all right. my attention, you know, like I, I was in, I was, you know, I was in college. So I had that and a part-time job. Um, but, you know, it was really just me and her and that, you know. All... I loved it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you were, were she your special interest, Clark? I think so. I mean, <laughs> I had other special interests. Like I was, you know, and I still like them, but I was very into um, like car cars, motorcycles, um, target practice. Like I had my things, but mm-hmm. then once she came, you know, once she came into the picture, a lot of those even like didn't go away, but like, you know, sort of fell off the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as our, as our lives progressed and it was great, but like, as life became more complex and more things added, um, you know, I, I, I still, you know, uh, very much interested in Kate, but like, I just had less, you know, mental space, mental capacity, whatever processing power, you know, to cover all those things. Um, and even today, I still think that like, you know, we have, we're, we work full time and we both, you know, do a little bit of volunteering and, you know, we have two, uh, you know, two great girls and a dog and a cat and a mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've told her before, she's like, we should get another kitten. I'm like, I can't, I just I can't <laughs> do it anymore. I can't do any more, any of it to a basic level. It's, it might sound funny, but it's the way my brain works. It's like, I can't deal with any more poop in this house. It's like I get two, 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 two little girls, a cat and a dog, no more, you know, no more. No more I love that, Clark. Yeah. I love so, that. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's hard. Uh, it, it's easier probably for me to balance work and life, but uh, you know, balance, like, you know, switch modes, but, you know, to, to handle it all, you know, in a 24 hour period or however you want to measure it, like, it's really hard for me. Yeah. I think the pandemic was really hard when everything was shut down. We both started working from home. We had both girls at home. They weren't in daycare anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, since that was shut down, that was a real struggle for you because there was no, you couldn't shut off one for the Mm -hmm. other. They were all at you at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah let Um, me oh oh, go ahead go ahead no No, no, i just i i just have a question because every time we you know we we do a podcast or talk to someone or i find it very hard that we all have to figure these things out in such a hard way it takes us so long and it, and then we're trying and we try one thing and then the other and there's good days and not so good days and all of that 
since um, Clark got his diagnosis, have you found it easier to find support? Like, are you um, able to find therapists that are knowledgeable or are you, are you trying? Are you using something that's outside of your relationship that helps you and supports you in the process of figuring it out and not having to do it just by yourself? I think we're starting to. It, it had been a little bit of a struggle because for years, I mean, we're big fans of therapy, whether we want it or not. Um, <laughs> so we had been to several couples counselors. We did free marital counseling. We did, you know, af- we just kept going afterwards because we wanted to make sure, you know, we were going into this marriage strong, you know, but we were coming into that and we were experiencing that as neurotypicals. Mm-hmm. And so we would both get very frustrated, you know, when we had an issue and we'd work through that and that'd be fine. And then we'd be like, okay, we don't need to go anymore right now, but then there'd be a lull and then it would go back. And so we just recently, and we've had two sessions so far, we finally found uh, a couples counselor that, um, is willing, you know, has some knowledge of, of autism and is, is really working with us through that lens. Um, and I wouldn't say it's really counseling. It's really more me talking about what I need and how do we get Clark um, to recognize that? What kind of steps do we need to take? So that's starting. Um, I've also done the uh, neurodiverse love peer support groups, which have been great. Um, but otherwise, you know, because there's such negative stuff out there about neurodiverse relationships. They can't work. They're not, you know, you're just doomed to fail. I've bought 4,000 books on the subject. <laughs> I started a blog because I wanted some kind of positivity around it. But at, at the same time, I find myself just writing doom and gloom. Those mm-hmm. doom and gloom times and not the happy times. Because we mm-hmm. do have those. Right. Um, so it has been a struggle, I think. Clark being neurodiverse too, his, he has friends, but, you know, I think that's hard for him to keep up with. Um, and then I don't have any friends. I have now that Clark has um, been diagnosed. They're like, maybe my husband is too. That sounds so much like my husband. Wow. Um, but wow. That's diagnosed. So it's all just, you know, what ifs. Well, send them to the podcast. Let them listen <laughs> yeah. to some of the episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Clark, do you have anything to add to that? Or did Kate pretty much sum it up? No, I, I think she summed it up. I mean, I'm going, um, you know, I, I started going to counseling for like, issues sort of related to my upbringing. And then I went, you know, for um, you know, PTSD type issues. And now I'm going to someone who actually, you know, works uh, has worked with people for a long time on the spectrum. And he also uh, works with people with ADHD. So I'd say that's the only other thing is I'm, I'm also going on my own to try to, um, you know, talk to someone like, and it, for that one, it's really like how to, how to better, you know, interact with Kate and, you know, the world around me, like is really what, you know, we're not talking about like, you know, traumatic events in my life. It's like, you know, give me an example of something you struggled with, you know, maybe you should write things out. Maybe you should, you know, things like that. So it's more like, um, I don't know, like almost like occupational therapy or something, you know, like trying to get me, yeah. <laughs> trying to get me to, um, you know, better be able to function in a, you know, in a neurotypical world. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a great analogy. It's like occupational therapy in a neurodiverse marriage. Yeah, I like how you put that. Well, I want to go back a little bit to um, the pandemic and how everything changed in your lives. And I know for my ex, structure was really, really important. And having that downtime for his special interests alone in downtime. So can you both talk a little bit about how important structure is to each of you? And if that creates um, challenges, and if so, how are you guys dealing with them? Clark chuckled a little bit. Um, I think he thinks I have no structure. And I, think, <laughs> I just want to like live, you know, that's not true. I don't think I like spontaneity very much, but I like it more than you. And I think you like a very structured routine. Yeah, I think, I think structure helps me. Um, it just sort of, sort of helps me to, you know, know what I need to do. Um, you know, sort of like, where do I need to be? What time do I need to be there? What do I need to have with me? Like that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of something from my military time. Um, but like, but also I think just, you know, I think, yeah, mentally it helps me like, you know, to be able to plan things out, to know what to expect, you know, to not be off guard. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with that. Like even some, you know, something as simple as like, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, out for timing wise and everything to get everyone where they need to go. We're supposed to be out the door at like 8 a.m. to, you know, get, you know, the youngest to daycare and the, you know, the oldest child to summer camp. But like, it just doesn't happen, you know, and it's, it's hard. Like, I'm like, and we're late again. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, something even like, oh, we need to, you know, let's, you know, go in and, you know, five minutes and five minutes to me means five minutes, five minutes to Kate means anywhere from <laughs> one minute to 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just stuff like that. I'm like, and I, I I'm getting, I, I don't know that I'm getting better at it, but I, I'm recognizing that at least in my head, I'm like, okay, she said five minutes. Don't need to push it because that probably means more like 20, 25. So, <laughs> it, it, I mean, really, it's just that it's, I'm just trying to find a way to cope with that. I mean, and it's not just in our relationship. For me, it's like everything. Like, I don't, like, so you, other people may experience this too, but like for work, be like, we have a meeting from 12 to 1 and it's like one thirty, and we're still in it. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, like, <laughs> so it, it's all those things, you know, it's like sure. from 12 to one, you know, like, so I, you know, it, I don't know if that's just me, like personality or if it's me, you know, mentally for autism, you know, but it, it's a struggle for me. Yeah. I think, um, you know, executive functioning challenges are very common with people who are on the autism spectrum. And I know that a lot of, you know, the technology we have available helps a lot, you know, to be able to use a joint calendar on your phone and be able to text instead of having to engage in a 15 minute call. You know, we're in the past, I mean, I'm 57, so I'm much older than you guys. You know, you had to call somebody, you know, you had to send them a letter, whatever. We didn't have email. We didn't have all those things when my ex and I started in our relationship. So I think um, some of the things you're talking about are executive functioning things that and, and maybe tools that have helped you to feel comfortable in situations, whether it's work or at home. 
And I, I think one of the things that I've heard over and over again, that's a big challenge in neurodiverse relationships, and it was in mine, is, um, you know, social events. Like, you know, if you're going to go to a family party or you're going somewhere for Christmas with family or friends, if the invitation says 12 to 2, <laughs> Clark, I, I, I want to ask this of you first. Are you, how comfortable are you going to, or maybe it says 12 to 5, how comfortable are you going to a social event for five hours? Um, and, and how do you guys kind of navigate that world? If you don't mind sharing a little bit about that those social interactions or family events? Think about my family first. <laughs> my family's very loud and talkative and we talk over each other. Clark's is very quiet. They like to hang out in silence, which also makes me uncomfortable. Sure. Like, I feel like I need to fill that, that silence and, <laughs> you know, while watching a basketball game. Well, my family could have a basketball game on, but we're not, really watching it or listening to it we're talking over it sure and i think that exhausts you mm -hmm. yeah it does and yeah i mean it's so I, I think i struggle with a lot of those things like like you said you know a family event like oh it's from 12 to 5 you know we're eating at this time and then we don't eat until 4 and it's actually from 12 to 9 p.m <laughs> And so, like, all of that, that part, like, just as far as, like, the what to expect and when is hard. But then, yeah, the, you know, um, keeping up, like, I, I could, I could do, you know, I can do conversation, all those type things. But, like, I'm, I'm talkative and I can talk if it's something I'm interested in. But, like, sure. if it's making small talk or mm -hmm. something like that, like, that's, that's the exhausting part, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, this is, you know, I don't know, you know, try, I got to try to remember, like, what do people like to talk about? What's the small <laughs> thing? Like, weather, sports, I don't know. You're he not has alone. no question. I mean, he, he is able to say, hey, and stare someone down until they talk, which is so uncomfortable to me. Wow. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm good at the awkward pause. Like, if, I had to be a, if I had to be like a, like a police uh, detective or whatever. I could totally just sit there and stare at someone and wait until they talk. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be good at interrogating, interrogating. just through that. Yeah. Just yeah. through that, that stare, that evil eye or whatever yeah. you would give them. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, we are nearing the end of the podcast. And I, first of all, I want to just thank you both so much. We've covered so many topics and, you know, have, I think so much helpful information for neurodiverse couples. I wanted to end this with uh, just kind of asking you, is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners that you think would be helpful? A lesson you've learned, you know, since Clark has gotten his diagnosis or something you've learned about each other or something maybe even that you wish you had done differently before you got diagnosed, Clark, just a little bit of, of kind of closure for the podcast how do you each want to um, share a final thought with the listeners? Well, I mean, I can go first if you want, what you think. Um, as the neurotypical, I mean, it's, this is hard. Uh, a lot of it falls on the neurotypical. Clark and I have talked about this, my, my frustration with it. Um, 
I love him so much. I can't imagine my life right now without him. I, I imagine vacations without him sometimes. <laughs> like I just need, I just need a break. I mean, it's a lot. Sure. Um, you, you know, and this whole new way of, of thinking, communicating, I, even at 37, it's really hard, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and nine years into a marriage and having to, to kind of switch things up. Um, I think we both are, are very willing to do the work, but it, it is a lot of hard work. And I know marriage in general is hard. And then we have this extra layer mm-hmm. on top of it. And so I, I don't want anyone to think, you know, it's, it's sunshine and roses all the time. Um, and that it is a lot of work, but um, at the same time, I mean, he, Clark is very willing to do the work and I see that every day. And so that gives me hope and, and keeps me going um, that he does really want to try. Um, even on those days where I feel like we're failing. Sure. I do know that he's, he's trying and he wants to make this work. And I love him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Kate. And Clark, what about you? What else would you like to share? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think going along with what Kate said, I mean, things, you know, would it be easier if I, you know, if I wasn't on the spectrum and, you know, I could, you know, just like pick up, you know, it like sense, you know, something that is going on with Kate or something she needs, like, yeah, it would. Um, but, you know, I, it, it, it's just not who I am. And so it, but, you know, I am able to try I am able to learn, um, you know, and, you know, with enough experience and practice, you know, I think I can, um, you know, I think I can work towards, you know, always being better at that. So, you know, while, while there's, you know, struggles and hard parts and, you know, uh, miscommunications, like I, I feel like that, it happens in every relationship, but it's just sort of, you know, like taken up a notch or, you know, magnified, but mm-hmm. it's, it's something that, you know, as long as you're willing to, you want to, you know, as long as, um, you know, you want to, you know, do it and you're willing to like put in work on yourself, you know, to learn about yourself and things that will help you, um, you know, that, I think that then trickles down to, interactions, um, you know, with your partner and how you, you know, can give them uh, things they need. So, you know, and I I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people on the spectrum are willing to, you know, do those Mm -hmm. things because like we do have emotions, you know, we Mm -hmm. do, um, you know, do love, you know, very intensely and greatly. So, you know, I, I think when all that's present, like, you know, you know, and you're willing to do it and, uh, you know, put in the work, like, it's possible. It's just, you know, are you going to be neurotypical? Like, no, no, but you know, you know, can you, you know, honestly and sincerely try like, yeah. That's awesome. He's getting teary. (laughs) Oh, you know, you know, thank, thank you, Clark for that. And I think what you just said is something that so many couples will benefit from hearing what both of you said, because, I know that in my marriage, I mean, it was 30 years and we probably went through all the challenges that you guys are going through now, but we didn't know until our 29th year of marriage that we were neurodiverse. I don't even know what our marriage would have looked like if we had found out, you know, five, seven, nine years into marriage. Um, And 
I think there weren't resources available then. Um, you know, people were just then beginning to talk about Asperger's. There wasn't even an autism spectrum disorder because we got married in 1987. So in a way, knowing now uh, for the two of you, you have more, it's hard to believe you have more resources than were available 20, 25 years ago, but there still aren't enough. So um, Olga and I always end the podcast with lessons learned and more than a lesson learned, I want to share that I think we need more resources uh, for neurodiverse couples because Clark, you're sometimes struggling. Kate, you're sometimes struggling. Mm -hmm. But what I hear over and over again, not only from you, from, but from other couples is that you love each other so much and that you're both trying really hard to work with each other, to understand each other and to understand yourselves. And that to me is the biggest takeaway from this conversation. And I just want to hug you both. And Olga, is there anything you want to share? Yes. I was thinking about, um, you know, the more we talk about this and we do the podcast and we've, meet people um the same thing that's happening to you kate it's like oh that sounds like my husband that's mm -hmm. and last week i had that and one of um one of my very very good friends uh said that to me she's like oh that sounds a lot like my husband and then her question after a little while of talking she says so are relationships just doomed and we're not gonna be successful uh and i said you know, there's one thing, and, and you two are like the confirmation to my feeling about this. The most important part of this is that you both are walking individual paths, but you're also walking a common path in your marriage. And the only way to walk the three paths is with love and compassion. And that's what I see in the two of you. And it's definitely what we try to, you know, kind of transmit in everything that we talk is we, we felt attracted to each other. We fell in love. We love many things about the individuals and the relationships, and we are willing to, to do the work and, or maybe compassionately identify that we're not and, and, and have a compassionate break up and, and maybe even being friends in a different way, because now I know my friend is, in is neurodiverse yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's 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 amazing thank you for sharing your story for being willing to share it with the world <laughs> and and the people who listen to us um so i appreciate that greatly and and that's that's thank you yeah that was great olga so thank you both and i just want to let our listeners know that we do have two support groups every month and if you're interested in joining, you can DM us on Instagram and we'll give you the Zoom link. Also, if you're interested in emailing us, you can email us at neurodiverse love the number four, the letter U at gmail.com. And we also have a website and that's neurodiverse love dot com. So again, we thank you all, um, Clark and Kate. 
you can stay on for a few minutes, but we will end the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye.